Uh, it's not quite the same. It's just not quite the same without <laughs> you, Mario. Uh, we we're thinking of you, buddy. We hope you're doing well. Uh, this is Jason Marlowe. And John subbing. Dinkfelder. Good morning, Jason. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? Good. We need, Marlo- we, we need Mario's enthusiasm. Yes, Mario, you are, the, you are the wind beneath our wings, sir. Or something like, like that. I, like, I need to have that queued up. Like, you, did you know, Mario, that you were my hero? You are the wind beneath our wings. Okay, enough, enough love fest. <laughs> Let's go, Jason. Well, listen, you are welcome to Down in Dirty. This is 88.5 WMNF. Like, we're so happy to have you here this morning. We have a wonderful guest. We're going to be talking about education with the longest tenured member of the Hillsborough County School Board, School Board member Lynn Gray. And we're going to be, uh, you know, getting into it. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Brand new superintendent, teacher shortage, the future of education in Florida. The impact of the governor on local schools. Yes. I mean, and the laws that he has passed, the fact that the legislature is still eyeing a lot of, you know, public education laws. We have a lot to discuss today. Education, you know, it might not be, school is not out. I think we we might have to book a few more hours for all the to- all the issues we got, Jason. I mean, I have a feeling like our phones are going to light up. And don't forget that you can call us at 813-239-9663. We have, I believe, the lovely Irene there screening your calls, I okay. believe. I better slide over to that board. You may have to. You may have to do some sliding, sir. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and introduce our guest, uh, Lynn Gray. Welcome to the studios today. Well, good morning. It's my pleasure. <laughs> and I'll give a little background on, on Lynn. Uh, she was a public school teacher, I believe, for 30 years. And, uh, and then she uh, actually taught over a Jesuit locally. Uh, she had her own business, uh, helping people train for marathons and that sort of thing. She is a marathoner. And, uh, and she also uh, dealt in the world of homeschool, which I find very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was elected to the Hillsborough County School Board in Tampa uh, 2016 and then 2020. And now she's uh, she'll be running again, I guess, for a different district or same district? Uh, countywide. Countywide. Okay. And uh, and then she had her own, uh, you know, she had her own company. So she's kind of covered the uh, gamut. Yeah, you've, I mean, at one point, what, I, as I recall, a, a skydiver at one point. Yeah, you know, and, and when we You've lived say, many lives, Lynn. Yeah, many lives. Well, when you get to be a certain age, too, you, you definitely have done a lot in your life. So as a marathoner, my key question to you is, uh, how are your knees? You know, I had, I had one replaced and the other one needs replacing. But. No, this is not the glowing report. Uh, I did have to have two knee replacements. There you go. But... I was attacked by a pit bull um, in the ACL, and then one had to be done. But just so the listeners know, a lot of times the other has to be done because the cartridge uh, wears out very quickly, the compensation. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Is this what I have to look forward to? <laughs> well, we, we're movers here, so. I... We're falling apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're rusting out a little bit. <laughs> well, Lynn, you're, you're in the world of public schools, uh, back in the world of public schools uh, after your 30 years Hillsborough and Pasco. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I had three years in Pasco. Uh, Tommy Waitman was the superintendent, and that's, lo- well, you and I, we go back a long way, so, yeah. yeah. Very cool. And, um, yeah, and I did teach public school for three years uh, of my career, and uh, I actually loved it. I, I always said that I would continue to teach private uh, public school uh, if they could pay a little bit. And back when, back when I was teaching, they were paying Thirty, thirty-five thousand, something like that. I wasn't making much more when I was teaching, which oh, is terrifying. Three teachers in the house. Yeah, three teachers. Everybody in this, everybody in this room has literally spent some time in, the, in a public school classroom. But philosophically, Lynn, why do you think uh, public schools are important? It looks like 
in Florida, they're we're trending away from public schools to charter schools and other uh, iterations. But I, I've got a feeling maybe you have a special place in your heart for, for public schools. I do. Um, and when you say trending away, I, I would have to say that's financing away because yeah. we are being uh, very gradually uh, defunded. Um, and uh, Siphoning away. Siphoning yeah. away, yeah. and we can go through categoricals, but it, it's, it is real. Um, the public schools, you know, uh, there's nothing better than being able to go to a classroom, seeing the diverse amount of students, uh, and also having just all types of support systems. You have your school psychologist, you have your your social worker, you have the guidance counselor, you have food for the children. Yeah. Uh, we just have enormous amount of resources. Yeah, I don't think people appreciate it. I mean, like for the sake of educating the audience that they're not aware, it's the seventh largest school district in the country. You guys service around 200,000 some odd children a day. I mean, like, the numbers on that are kind of astronomical. I don't think people truly appreciate the scale and scope of what the Hillsborough County School Board and school district encompasses. I mean, it's 1.4 million people and all of their children all trying to get access to education. And I'll say just briefly, John, to your point, you know, it's funny. We hear uh, conservatives talk about, uh, you know, liberals wanting to defund the police. But here in Florida, conservatives have defunded public education. Yeah. Yeah. What's with that attack, and 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 what's the, what what sort of impact is the governor having on public education? I was thinking about on the way over about the banning the books by the legislature and the and the state school board. Uh, don't say gay made national headlines. How about that, Lynn? Well, you know, and this goes back when you study the Holocaust and the banning of the books. You know, when you when you subtract the uh, diversity of reading ability or offerings. What you're really saying is um, we want you to read certain books and we want you to think certain ways, certain ways. Now, just capture that moment. So without analytical thinking, without the higher uh, echelon of, uh, of books from different cultures and about their culture, you're really subtracting the, a, a student's identity in many ways and their ability to really rise to higher levels of thinking. So, um, but back to the curriculum, which is really my area because I taught all these grades, right? AP history, advanced yeah. history. I loved, I loved what your teaching background was. Yeah, the, uh, the advanced history and the uh, AP history um, have a lot to do with uh, it's having a book subtraction when you teach gifted history or advanced placement it's the opposite because what you want is the variety. Yeah. And we used to just, at Jesuit, we could pick any books that we wanted for the children to have. And then they even, you know, they had their computers so they could explore. But, but going back to um, the AP Black History, which is something that uh, Ken Atwater, the uh, president of uh, HCC and I, worked very hard to put uh, that into our schools and it would be dual enrollment. In other words, they would get credit. We did get it, but now that was taken away, um, AP Black History. African-American studies, I know you've been a big proponent of that. Um, is it allowed anymore? And, and the diversity officers uh, that, you, that you've been pushing for, is that allowed by the, by the governor and the 
than the cabinet and all well, that? Uh, that's a very, very good question. And um, well, we're, we're called we're called down and dirty on this show, so we're going to go down and dirty on it. Yeah, it's it's a timely question because uh, we do have our African American task force. I just met with them yesterday, and these are leaders of the community, and there are staff, curriculum staff, and. Every Like last year, we had Terry Connor, which was under Addison Davis, Superintendent Davis, who really promoted diversity in African-American studies. Um, and now, fast forward, we have, we have subtracted the richness of the cultural identity parts of, of their history. Now, if you ask me today, well, how, you know, what ways... Is it subtracted? I'd have to tell you the answer that I'm being told is, well, they're still into rulemaking. In other words, we don't know yet. We do not know how expansive. um, Now, the rulemaking process does allow for some public input. Um, theoretically, anyway. Theoretically. <laughs> so, uh, Air quotes. So how can you advise people in the community who might be listening today about getting involved in that? If they feel strongly about that issue, uh, you know, how do they get in touch with these rule makers? Well, that's Tallahassee, and, and that is Manny Diaz, the DOE commissioner. Um, and I, I believe, and this is what I have heard, uh, and I hear, present tense, the black community is really outspoken on this. They have really put together a lot of opportunities to have the books that are banned, for example. Uh, they have one of their churches that have all the books banned in the church. Yeah, um, that's like Maya Angelou and some of these yes. really beloved yes. authors. They banned Roberto Clemente. Really? Yeah. Roberto Clemente. Why? I mean, like... Uh, too woke, you know. Well, I, I like. I mean, I don't know what you want. I like. It, it's very frustrating to me. To, to to your point, as someone who was also a history teacher, you know, in teaching a classroom full of black and brown children, the fact that the history that I taught was obsessively Eurocentric. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'm teaching a classroom that's probably 40 percent Haitian, and the Haitian Revolution is about a paragraph. Sure. Like, what what kind of indignity is that to these kids? And that was history? and that was a while ago. I mean, this now, is now really, you probably couldn't even mention the, the Haitian Revolution. Jason, we uh, we're, we're, skills. We're, slaves learn skills, right? According to there you go. We're here on WMNF uh, in Tampa, eighty eight point five. If you're just tuning in, we have our guest today, at, uh, at Lynn Gray from Hillsborough County School Board. Lynn, we're so glad to have you. And we'd like to hear from you. Uh, our phone-in uh, line is 813-239-9663. If you have a comment related to education or if you have a question for uh, Ms. Gray, we would love to hear from you. 813-239-9663. So, Lynn, uh, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the governor and the legislature. What is this group, Moms for Liberty? I love the way that... You know, every everybody who wants to, at the end of the day, attack liberty somehow puts liberty in their name. But, oh, well, this is going to be, I got a funny story based on this, so oh. don't you worry. Uh, yeah. Well, Are I mean, you seeing them down at school board meetings? Yeah. Then? Yeah. What happened to uh, the Moms for Liberty, and there's a few of them that uh, that live right near me in Fishhawk, uh-huh. um, um, and, I, I, and I find them to be, uh, you know, very uh, communicative. Um, and they really believe in certain books are pornographic and certain books are over the top. They, they absolutely believe that. 
um, and that further, the conduit for them now is to get with the DOE to make sure those books are taken out of the library mm. that they deem they deem as a group to not be appropriate. Now, do they go out in the parking lot and burn them also? Or? Well, they uh, <laughs> it, it manifested itself, um, see, last year into tr- uh, busloads of Moms for Liberty in different districts right. coming and speaking. And it got a lot of press, and they did get a lot of, the, of uh, successful press, put it that way. Um, and some districts do not have a very tight process for eliminating books. Our district has an excellent one, uh, and it goes. It gives every mom or dad an opportunity to say, "Hey, man, I, this book is not appropriate. I don't feel like it should be in the library." And then we have a committee that's made up of diverse amounts of teachers and staff members and parents. They go through that same book and they determine yes or no. And then finally, if there's still an argument, and this takes a period of six to eight months, mm. right? If there's still an argument that it has to be taken out, then they can bring it to the Department of Education, DOE, and then they go ahead and do that deciding point where it used to be the school board, see? so. Well, the only good news on that is it's a time-consuming process, so they, they can't come in and yank the books overnight. I'd say that's the only positive to that. And and that's what frustrates a lot of them because it takes a while and there is a process. Yeah. Um, But, you know, school boards and, uh, as you well know, bureaucracy, it's pluses and minuses, but this actually is, you know, gives us more time to be deliberate. Yeah. I mean, I'll just mention for the sake of the joke, uh, you know, the co-founder of Moms for Liberty is uh, the wife of Republican Florida Party Chair Christian Ziegler, who uh, has just been basically criminally investigated for having a three-way sexual relationship with his wife and the this other woman. And Dude, yeah, you better this, stop there. This, the you're, co-founder you're gonna, of Moms for Liberty. You're going to need me as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. So just saying, you know, these people they, they live in a, a very interesting world where hypocrisy uh, apparently doesn't play. Because I mean, like talking about pornographic things in books and talking about removing, you know, LGBTQ, you, you know, go. books from our schools, but engaging in a very salacious relationship. Let's call it. Yeah, Lynn, uh, that that don't say gay um, issue from last year, or I don't know when it was last year or the year before. Uh, to me, just so personally tragic. Right. I mean, what are we doing attacking these children, um, you know, for for their choices and their and again, their free speech? You know, well, now you're getting into the mental well-being of a child. So if we're attacking, say, the LGBTQ community, then what we're seeing now, it manifests itself into more bulleting, uh, bullying, excuse me, bullying um, and the mental health of a child, if you put that together, the the insecurity and the danger, the safety of the child child now becomes part of this, uh, of of a trend that in my mind is very, very dangerous. Um, And uh, and, and that's a subject I've gotten deep into because I'm on, I've started the human trafficking. You're on the children's board. I'm on the children's board, student online safety. And I know that many of these fights and many of these uh, situations that come up 
are coming from the cell phone and they're stemming mm-hmm. from the messages from Tallahassee about LGBTQ gay, you know, this is a bad right. Right. book. You know. It's so a bad book. This is a you know, you shouldn't act a certain way, you shouldn't dress a certain way, I'm sure all those things. And then it comes to, to bullying. Um hey Lynn, uh Jason, we have uh call. Do we have a call? Let me see if I can handle this. Uh, looks like Ken in Tampa. Ken, Ken you're you on there? the air. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning to everyone. Good morning. We're glad to have you on Down and Dirty, WMNF 88.5. You have a question for uh, Lynn Gray, our school board member? Yes, I do. And uh, hello, Lynn, and happy Friday. Oh, thank Day you. Uh, my, my question is to address the Florida legislature with regards to Senate Bill 256 and House Bill 1445 with regards to deduction of union dues from employee payroll checks Mm -hmm. and how that affects your decision making at the school board that you represent all the uh, employees, whether it be educational, support staff, maintenance, school bus drivers, and so forth. How does the school board address that issue? Well, we haven't addressed that issue from Tallahassee. Um, I will tell you, though, our relationship with Rob Crete, uh, the CTA, uh, is a very positive one, uh, one of trust and collaboration. And um, when, when Rob comes to speak, which he does every school board meeting, as you probably know, um, he respects every one of us, and we respect his views. So we have a very open um, relationship with the union. I I know that the outside forces, legislatively, as you uh, shared, uh, would would say that you know it's they're they're bad, or we got to <laughs> get rid of the unions and and so forth and so on. But uh, but our our county is very supportive of them. So uh, and and that goes all the way down to um, the industries of welding, carpentry, you know, all of the unions. So. Um, yeah, we talked about that uh, on a show about a month ago when we had a uh, yeah. firefighter on. Uh, firefighter and then a couple union. months ago before that when we had uh, Jim Geneco, my friend from Operating oh, Engineers, right. and some of the other folks. Jim, we've, yes. Yeah, we've, been yeah. covering, we've been covering our bases with the union. Hey, folks. Ken, are you a teacher? Uh, my occupation is, begins with a T, and it's a labor union. Oh, okay. Teamsters. Teamsters. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, we made a uh, – golly um, – we made a policy adjustment to help uh, the unions with the income, the percentage of monies to support your apprenticeship programs, which nice. in my my world, I think you, you all have the best comprehensive mm-hmm. uh, way beyond. Uh, and, you know, we talked about ABC and all the other competitors. But, um, yeah, you, you are your you're top drawer. Thank you for, for being there for these kids. And the apprenticeship programs are so important. You know, it used to be, oh, you're either college, tra- you know, college track or you're nobody. Right. And, and now we recognize that there, we need multiple tracks yeah. for, for kids. Uh, yeah, as shout a- out to a friend of the show, Councilman Vieira, for helping press the apprenticeship ordinance on city council. Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, listen, I, I can tell you as, listen, Jim Janeco could tell you far better than I could, but uh, the discrepancy between the ABC contractors and what these union folks are getting, I mean, like, they are life-changing opportunities. They will pay you to train. If you don't live in the area, they sometimes will house you 
to pay you. So, so how does the school board and the schools, how do they interact with these union apprenticeships uh, programs? Do they give them space? Or do they, they help fund? How's that work? Yeah, we help fund to a degree, and we give them space. Uh, they are coming in uh, as participants. There, and, and correct me, Ken, if I'm wrong, but a lot of the children, and I'm calling them children, even big football <laughs> players, I still call children, but they, they're, uh, they've already graduated or they're not you know necessarily seniors. So you all take those individuals and, and extend their education uh, into the occupational, vocational world. Uh, and likewise, we definitely are, we we worship, we want those children to be into those apprenticeship programs that you offer. Um, and um, because it's a, it's a win-win situation, you know, we have four um, vocational centers in our district, which are quite large. Um, and uh, so... And we've we've talked about bringing ag back. We've talked about bringing uh, the building and construction trades back to um, high schools and even in middle school when we were growing up, right? And people can learn a craft and a trade that will put them in the middle class by educating themselves hands-on. And we're running out of qualified AC technicians, plumbing, pipe fitters, yep. welders, carpenters, and so forth. So we can we can build that in Florida with good wages, good benefits, a pension upon retirement, and a pathway to the middle class and how to direct your own destiny. Hey, so. Ken, thank you so much for your call. Thanks for your comments. So, And we are going to move on. You have a great day. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Happy Friday. Thank you, man. So for those of you tuning in uh, right now, you're listening to Down and Dirty on WMNF 88.5. And our call-in number is 813-239-9663. We are honored to have uh, school board member Lynn Gray, former chair of the school board, I believe. Correct. And um, uh, Lynn's been on the Hillsborough County School Board since 2016. She's here in the studios to talk to us about all things education. Jason, what's yeah, up? And I wanted to piggyback on something uh, you know that uh, Ken mentioned. Uh, we've sort of been circling around uh, you know the teacher vacancy and the issue with you know. I mean, listen, we have three former school teachers. You know, this was I, I went and got a master's in public education from in you know education and history in Florida State. Within three years, I was gone. Part of that was related to wages. Uh, as of this article from August, the district has 529 vacancies in teaching which is down from 691 vacancies last year wow. and 203 bus driver vacancies. So when we talk about the state you know, defunding public education as they have, what can the school district do in its limited capacity to you know, help boost the wages of teachers in ways that are meaningful? Because I know you guys are working on that obviously actively with the union, but it's like you could only do so, right, with dedicated funding sources and money. I mean, but maybe, don't it's have not just, money. maybe it's not just Monday, 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 money, money, but also, you know, maybe uh, some of the heat. There's been so much heat on teachers. Yeah. You know, and, and especially COVID didn't help. Uh, so, you know, what can the school board do to make it a better working condition? Yes. And that's sort of another thing. great question. Well, that's uh, the number one priority is... Um, and we worship our teachers, uh, and we need to make sure that we sustain and, and, and retain our teachers. Um, 
the culture wars, and I, I'll just be very uh, trite on that, um, the heavy lift that teachers have to follow now, not using certain pronouns, not necessarily leaning more towards books that may not fit within the apparatus of, uh, of the Tallahassee requirements. The standards, the Florida the State standards. standards get higher and they have to teach to the tests. I remember that. When I was teaching 20 years ago, they just started it, and you got to teach to the test. I resisted it tremendously. It's one of the reasons why I quit. Yeah. Well, that's and that's that's part of it. And I taught also before that, and yeah. uh, we seem to do fine. Um, but fast forward, what we do need to do is re be more innovative. Um, we had a big convention yesterday, the Florida School Boarders Association, and uh, the gentleman who has uh, he, actually he's now a principal at Rogers just just begun Rogers Middle School. And uh, he suggests how he got a lot of folks, and he previously was in Polk County, a lot of teachers is he had his, and this is what Kurt Browning does too in uh, Pasco. He has the graduates uh, commit that they, you know, we're going to offer you a job. We have a viable position for you as a teacher. And we want you to go through that, those training courses of the college, and we will in turn, you know, hire you. We'll take care of your internship, uh, which is cost effective. But in other words, you're really getting the, like future teachers of America. Mm-hmm. You remember that. I was part of that because I always wanted to be a teacher, right? So uh, I was future farmers of America, believe it or not. Farmers. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was, that's where your dreams begin. Yeah. Um, and for students to be motivated to become a teacher, it starts in, sometimes it even, well, I don't want to say middle school uh, factually, but it definitely starts in high school. And, well, you uh, have a wonderful teacher. Typically, you have a wonderful teacher who influences you to be a teacher. Yeah, we all. Right. I'm sure we all had one of those. I, mine was Miss Brown in fourth grade. I'm sure she's Mrs. not around anymore. Mrs. But she, Ryan's fifth grade. There you go. And Miss Morrill at ninth grade. Shout out to all yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah, and she's still, you know, lively. Uh, and and I don't think she's teaching anymore. But anyway, was that up? I got to ask. Was that in New England? No, that was in East Bay High School. Oh really? Yep. Because wow. uh, I heard an accent in your voice. Oh, I am from New York. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you caught that? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Caught it. A little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you that came was, down here for for high school. Uh, well, we act. Well, this is a long story, and I won't get into it. But we moved down here. I was twelve years old. There you go. And yeah, yeah and we settled uh, Ballast Point. And sure. Uh, so and South Tampa we, was a lot different. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Gray, where you, with the Hillsborough County School Board, we have Christina from St. Pete, and she'd been waiting a few minutes. How about a phone call from there her? There we go. All right. Christina, are you there? Hold on. I'm there. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question. Um, you know, I've heard with the Don't Take A bill and the various bills that have passed in the legislature, there's been little to no conversation about how these bills could affect uh, dramatic literature. We, we're only really hearing about how they affect traditional literature. I come from a background of teaching a combination of both drama and film and television production for 11 years in the state of Florida in various counties. And um, at one point in my career, when I was teaching in Broward, uh, I did a uh, workshop um, on stage of A Raisin in the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry, and the, and the students and I dissected the play in class before we put it up on stage. How is a drama teacher supposed to walk the line in this situation? Because there is no way to dissect a play like this 
intellectually and not discuss the sociopolitical uh, elements of a play like A Raisin in the Sun. So how would this affect a dramatic literature, these new laws, and how does a drama teacher protect themselves? What a wonderful uh, movie. Uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, I never saw it on, on stage, but I bet it'd be beautiful. Uh, what do you think, Jason? I mean, like, I, I think the reality, right, is they're trying to, as Lynn said earlier, suppress thought that doesn't co you know, align with their vision of what they want. You know, they, they want it to be leave it to be for 1950s America. And anything that I think that challenges that yeah. sort of, you know, template, I think, makes them extremely uncomfortable. Lynn, have you heard from uh, drama teachers uh, in the school system about about any of these First Amendment infringements or how it's impacting their ability to teach? Uh, you know, this is such an interesting question, and I'm very much involved in arts and education. And uh, in fact, your question is, it, it's one that needs to be answered. But from Hillsborough County Public Schools, and I can't say it for Pinellas, obviously, but we have not had any um, roadblocks, uh, barriers. Uh, every time I have an idea, and I just gave one to Laura Hobby, whom you probably know because she's in the arts, and uh, and I said, Laura, let's go ahead and do a project on human trafficking or let the kids get involved um, and student online safety. But I mean, the when I, at least my experience, every time I've given something to the arts, there's not been like, oh, we've got to be careful because uh, we have this don't say gay. Now, I mean, here I am speaking from the arts department, which I really shouldn't. But from from all of the uh, conversations, I don't I don't feel like we have uh, barriers. Yeah, I hate to say it, uh, Christina, maybe we need to. Be quiet on this conversation, otherwise uh, certain, might be certain moms for liberty might jump into that arena too. Yes. What do you What do you think, yes, Christina? I, I think that sounds like a great idea, and thank you so much uh, for your time on this. I appreciate it. No, thank you for calling. All right. And for those of you who are listening, we've got uh, Lynn Gray in the studio. She's a Hillsborough County School Board member. Uh, we are WMNF, down and dirty, and we'd love to take your phone calls, 813-239-9663. We're talking all things education today. And I mean, like, let's, let's circle back to that. So, like, you know, to, to John and I's point, what can Hillsborough County do to, beyond, obviously, you know, I think that concept of helping pipeline young people who want to be teachers directly to jobs and careers is enormously important. But as someone who got a master's in education, right, left after three years for pay and a myriad of other reasons, I mean, like, what can we do on a county level to try to, you know, make this job more of the calling that it was for all of us, right? I mean, we all, everyone in this room got involved in public education because it was something that was important to us. It was a way for us to try to, like, make a difference. But as we continue to undermine public education, how can we get people into that profession? How can we make it a place where people want to stay? Well, that's going to come with leadership, too. I mean, uh, we have a superintendent, and this will be a, a topic of further uh, discussion, I know. But uh, leadership, the superintendent has a lot to do with the culture, the climate of a classroom, of a school, and the principal. The principal has a huge amount of influence. When You're absolutely right. I had my first principal... She said, John, we are so glad to have you, you know, because I was coming from law, you know, and that sort of thing and business. She said, we're so glad to have you. And she encouraged me, even though I was a little, you know, I, I didn't know all the rules and everything, but she was willing to 
overlook it. And then like a year or two later, I had a principal who was the exact opposite and said, <laughs> if you don't go by the rules, blah, blah, blah. You know, and uh, the principal makes all the difference. Matter of fact, maybe I'd still be teaching if I had that, still had that first principal. You're right. I mean, I, and teachers leave principals, not schools. You've heard of that, right? Uh, and the principals do have a huge amount of influence. And I can go and you can go and Jason go to schools. As soon as you walk through the door, within five minutes, you can feel the climate and yeah. the culture. If yeah. it's collaborative or if it's, like you said, John... One that you rigid, have to, rigid, structured. Uh, although that's another conversation because certain schools do need more structure. Yeah. So well, I was in a tough school. I mean, I was at Booker T. Washington at the time. Half of my kids were from Central Park Village before they tore it down. You know, public housing, and I was in a tough school. But the, my first principal, she she was tough love. She was tough love, which, which to me was the right way. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll never forget, Lynn, you, you'll appreciate this. I had an old line uh, teacher, uh, Mr. Watson, and he was our department head. And, and he saw me getting run over by the students like in September and October and all that. And he said, he said Dingfelder, he said, you know what your problem is? And, and I said, what's that, Mr. Watson? And he said, Never let them see you smile till Christmas. <laughs> That's, yeah, you're right. No, people, yeah. Listen, people do cook. I quit because of a bad principal. Shout out uh, Vice Principal Valerie Silverman at John I. Leonard. I hope you're stubbing your toe right now. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I quit, I quit teaching because I, I just like, I, if you don't have a principal that's fostering a good culture that makes you feel like, you're a part you're of something bigger than you. Yeah. You know, you are part of a community here. We look out for each other. If you're not instilling that kind of attitude in teachers, people leave, people quit. I mean, that's why, like I said, a master's degree in public education. I was out of teaching in three years. For those of you listening, you're listening to WMNF down in Dirty. Uh, our call-in number is 813-239-9663. We have school board member Lynn Gray here t uh, today and uh, we appreciate your public service and all your hard work. We're talking all things education. Give us a call, 239-9663. Lynn, um, so I've got to ask this question. Um, you are a marathoner, or you've been a marathoner. I read she did 100 marathons, including... She's the only person I know who's outrun Forrest Gump. <laughs> all right, you corrected me. How many now? 106. 106. You're still going. No more marathons. I promised uh, the all my friends uh, just half marathons. Slow so down. Thirteen point one miles well, now. And uh, what Boston a, marathons. Right. Uh, so I what a wimp. Only thirteen miles. <laughs> like, so anyway, my my wife asked this, told me to ask this question. is a really good question. Um, having run a few campaigns, uh, she said that being a marathon, being. That running a political campaign, Jason, you've been involved in campaigns. And, enough to is count. like a marathon. They're almost <laughs> a, they're almost identical, except for I imagine I sweat much more from a marathon <laughs> than I do from. Campaigns. And you've never been the candidate. No, either. no, I have not. But uh, yeah, do you, do you see the uh, how one equates to the other, Lynn? You, you've run. This is now your third race, I think. Um, yeah, you know. there's a direct correlation. I mean, the um, the idea of a marathon or any competition, you have to enjoy competition. Mm -hmm. You have to know it's all, it's how you, you don't look at the left, you don't look at the right. And uh, you you stay on your own issues. You stay with what you believe in. Stay in your lane, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, then, and now we stay in our two lane or one lane, <laughs> lane. Um, and that's an interesting conversation. But 
I, uh, I enjoy um, what I do, and I think that any candidate that wants to run, especially district-wide, better know the various communities. That takes a lot of, <laughs> I'm going to say driving because we're the size of Rhode Island. Well, it's interesting. You've lived in the, at least three out of the four corners of this county. You said when your family first got here, you were in South Tampa down by Ballast Point, which I remember right about the same age, my dad and I, we used to go down fishing at Ballast Point. Yes. And, and uh, that was, Ballast Point was a little rough, uh, a little rougher back then. Yeah. Um, but did you go to Ballast Point Elementary? No, I went to Monroe. That was when I first started sure. uh, there. And then we had a, a very large boat, so we had to go find a place. We, we lived... From New York, we lived on a boat for two years, a houseboat that my father built. So anyway, we were a very boating community uh, of of, of a big family. Yeah. Where did he park the boat? He had to park it in uh, Tarpon Springs on the uh, in the Anclote, and then we we had stayed at South Tampa just for a a little bit of time until we found a house on the Alifi is where we wound up. Okay. So we put the boat. We had another one. Put it there, and that's why I went to East Bay and. I skipped a few grades and went from, well, New York, it was sixth grade. And right. I wound up in ninth grade. Oh, my uh, God. So I skipped. Uh, and skipped I skipped the wonderful years of middle school. I oh, did, God. But I was, <laughs> they were listen, not kind it, to me, let me tell yeah, you. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't the best, you know, because I was very un, emotionally not mature to handle the bigger kids. But anyway, that's, uh, and then we lived in, um, by Gaither and Citrus Park, that area. Um, and, and you're right, and I'm very close to Odessa. Jesuit has given me a lot of great contacts everywhere. Sure. And uh, obviously now my son lives in uh, Brandon, Bloomingdale, and now because we have grandkids, I decided to move you're next to them. You're out that them. way. That's a so fish, fish hawk. Yeah. So, and you know what? Some people, they might not appreciate, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say diverse I don't mean that racially, but but we are a very diverse county, um, you know, up up in the in the, in the uh, northwest. Uh, we've you know we have a large Hispanic population, and down in the southeast, we have a large Hispanic population. Uh, black community is you know up toward the uh, the northeast and the east, and 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 now more spread over all over town. We've got economic diversity, and and here you are countywide, more than a million people. How many students? A couple hundred thousand? Two hundred and more thousand students. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how do you handle that? How do you get to all those meetings all over the county? Well, I started my own. I have the Hispanic Forum, which is uh, consists of, and you're so spot on, John, over in five years, 50% 50% of our student population will be Hispanic. Yeah. So I 50. Yeah. So about five years ago, I started that because I want more communication. I want, you know, so I'm in Wyamama. I'm in, I'm, you know, in Ruskin and I am Sefner and Dover. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of go- change going on. And now, as you see, town and country, uh, a lot of Hispanics. Also, the demographic of our Muslim community. Um, you know, and our black community. So I have the African-American Task Force, which, you know, 20% of our uh, students are of uh, black or brown. And, uh, you know, so what I had to do and what I felt is necessary is to make sure those communities were being represented in my uh, various committees. Um, My Student Online Safety Committee, that has a lot to do with 
the needs of the children of our minorities because they are very vulnerable. And I know your law practice handles a lot of vulnerabilities. So I identify a lot with those communities. So with the growth in the county, um, all across the county, um, we have shifts in student population. The school board this past year or two has been trying to address some of those shifts in some parts of town and some urban parts of town. Um, the, the school population is dropping, and then there's discussions about mothballing some of the schools like Just Elementary. Uh, other places, I'm sure, we're still building schools. Um, so how do you handle that? And what happened to, in the Just Elementary situation? Because I know that was a, a hot potato. It was a real hot potato, and uh, but referring to them, and I can't, I can't tell you the. It's so exciting what's going to happen uh, with just, uh, but I, I'm my lips are sealed. <laughs> oh really? Because, yeah. It's, well, this we, is down and dirty. We got to pry them open a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but this is the negotiations. <laughs> I promised our All superintendent. Right. But uh, wonderful. But you know, with the schools, the population shifting. Uh, and Tampa growing, the question is so appropriate because now we talk about South Tampa, I mean, South County, Wyamama, Ruskin, which has gone out of this planet. Thank you, County Commission. (laughs) Riverview is unrecognizable to me. Yeah, Uh, I I know. I don't even remember the road I used to live on. Wyamama is, I mean, I remember when I first started making the trip out here, you know, I used to go from West Palm here and forth, back and forth. That trip along Waimama used to be desolate, and now it's, yeah, Fort Lonesome, up through, you know, Waimama and that area. It is subdivision after subdivision after subdivision now. Places where, like, I mean, like, I remember it just being swamp and forest, and now it's, like, starting at the 400,000. I I remember it 30 years ago just being farm workers. Yeah. Um, You know, the period. And and, uh, now I guess suburbia is heading out that direction, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. never-ending sprawl. So, well, to the point of what we're doing about it, we have on um, we don't have unlimited funds to build schools. So, we have the referendum that we did in 2018 which helps the renovation and you know, does have afford wings, you know, to add wings. Um, but we're having the new school in South County um, and this is pretty exciting. It will be a huge school, UUU. We don't have official uh, name, but is that it's a high school. Or? It's a high school, and no, it's K through eight and high school. Okay. So we're going to have that. Also in Plant City, a wonderful neighborhood growing. We just bought property and approved it uh, right by Stingray, which is right off I four, mm-hmm. um, and that's we're going to put a school there. We also have uh, in Plant City. I've been working on this very hard, and uh, former mayor. Uh, anyway, I, I won't mention names, but we had uh, we have great conversations, and I'm building, or we're, we are building uh, with HEC a vocational center out there. Fantastic, and that's r- so much needed. Um, that's great, and that goes back to that apprenticeship issue and the yes. fact that you know a lot of kids want to go in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, listen, staying under fluorescent lights is not for everybody. It's not for me. I mean, like it's it. I understand why a lot of children would want to have some kind of different opportunity offered to them. And frankly, if you look at a lot of the other, you know, countries around the world, like, you know, in Europe, these kind of vocational educational opportunities are offered to them in tracks that enable them to sort of pick your own adventure, like those old books that we read when we were kids. Well, if you're listening, uh, we're here at 88.5 WMNF 
org, and you can call in. We've got about 10 more minutes with Lynn Gray from the Hillsborough County School Board, 813-239-9663. Um, Lynn, uh, we, we started talking about just elementary. I don't want to belabor it, but uh, then we got distracted with suburbia. But let's go back to the urban issues. I mean, the reality is over there across the river, um, the school population obviously dipped significantly. I think it even happened at Booker T. Washington as well for a while. So they were having, you know, uh, what do they call the, I, the IB programs and some of those other alternative school programs. Um, what happened at Just last year? And, you know, where are we now? You, you're going to keep secret where we're headed. <laughs> well, you know, in the case of Just or, for that matter, any school that is losing students, uh, one of the, um, how do you want to say, uh, first choices to do, the best choice, is to lower the the amount from one school that is already high and put it into the lower, you know, Re- lower redistrict, redistrict, uh, and and that's the most comfortable way. Right. But when you have a school that's one third or even less filled, yeah. without that possibility of redistricting or re, you know, refilling up, then you have to think, you know, how much does it cost to keep a school open for this many kids? And are those kids getting the resources? Yeah. Are they getting the best education? Are they getting the best teachers? And when you find out teachers are leaving, in the case of Just, and that the kids were being taught by substitutes, mm. and their reading level was level one, and they're in fifth grade, that means you can't even read hardly at all. So what do you do? Do you let the kids stay in in those kinds of conditions? Or do you say, well, this school here at Tampa Bay Elementary, which is not far, uh, has effective teachers. and Totally rebuilt, brand new school. Yeah, I mean, you you put them there for more possibilities. But the just parents... Probably not a lot of them, but they were very vocal. They said, wait a second, this is our neighborhood school. And then the flip side was the South Tampa parents, who I think maybe some of those gory kids or something were going to get shifted up to just... Uh, probably had some strong feelings as well. Do they come down to the school board and with their torches lit at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, when we did that with Jefferson and Plant and all the uh, unequivalencies and equivalencies, trying to get them balanced, it went over like a lead balloon. Um, <laughs> and I was... <laughs> That's the fun of public service, isn't it? <laughs> I was right front and center um, with the South Tampa parents who were very, very vocal, but very good listeners. And we talked at through. Yeah, um, don't touch those, you know, yeah. those boundaries. Yeah. And I got a feeling that would probably hold true in a lot of other uh, parts of the county, you know, where parents, you get attached to a school. Can you imagine messing with the plant district? Well, yeah, I, I'm sure that well, that subject ever, has come up. You ever seen Frankenstein? Like. <laughs> Well, let me, let me interject. So there's solutions because that's really what the public needs to hear. What are we doing about it? Truth. So in the case of just, and I'll get right back to it without giving the whole, you know, thrust of what's going to happen or possibly. Um, my idea under Superintendent Davis was the K through eight, steward and just. K through eights are very good transitional pathways because then you can pull middle school population and add it to elementary if it's low or vice versa. I'm doing the same, trying to, with the Apollo Beach, K through eight. Why have Apollo Beach Elementary 
go all the way out to a school, Eisenhower, wherever, when you can go ahead and build an elementary up right. to the eighth. And so then- you're trying to be creative. Bureaucracy hates creativity, I think, inherently. But hopefully you've got some support from your... Uh- from your new superintendent on on these ideas? Yeah, and that's that's the gift that he has as well, Van Ayers. He's very innovative, young, enthusiastic, and open to ideas. Nice. A local guy, home home uh, homegrown. Homegrown, great yeah. runner too, by the way, John. Oh, so like, so, so what, what, what value do you think that adds? Because, I mean, like, Eakins, outsider, Davis, outsider. What value do you think Van Ayer being from here adds to his capacity to be effective. Well, if you look at any, um, like HASA, um, which is the principal and supervisor's organization, one of their main hiccups is lack of trust. Mm -hmm. Trust, I mean, almost every sentence about leadership, lack of this, and it's mostly the word trust. So Van Ayers has that variable uh, there's a lot of trust in this man and his family. His uh, mom was a principal. His whole family, he was, a, a Van was a teacher. He was a principal. He grew up in the system and he grew up in Tampa and he's a West Tampa guy. And, you know, and, and those of us who've been in living in Tampa for a long time, that it's a small, oh gosh, John, you know this as well. It's a small town. Oh yeah. yeah. And that, that variable uh, and characteristic of trust is goes a long way. So yeah. well, Jason, it should help the teachers, I hope, you know, remain where they are and not not go to another district. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, folks, we've got a caller. We've got Wonderful. Steve from Plant City. Steve, you're on the air. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. How are y'all this morning? We're doing, doing awesome. Uh, Lynn, so Lynn might recognize Steve from Plant City. But go ahead. <laughs> hey, Steve. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just wanted to say I think the whole idea of vocational training is way past overdue. It's, it's. I mean, I grew up. I'm 60 years old now, but when I was going through uh, middle school in Virginia, uh, there was three vocational offered, and that let us experience different types of things like fast food service, cosmetology, sheet metal, whatever. And then I went on to high school and did my uh, regular vocational. Uh, training as a, uh, I went into architectural drafting. Nice. So my, my mechanical drawing experience through my pre-vocational and high, or early high school helped me excel into that. Although I did not go into that, I, I went into uh, went into the military and ended up being a radio op mechanic. But it, the pre-vocational gave me the tools and the, the common know-how to be able to carve out a very good living. I ended up being going through ABC here in Tampa, uh, apprenticeship program to be a pipe fitter. And Steve, how about just confidence? You know, you're starting in, in middle school, you know, with sheet metal, just, you know, you go to high school with some other trade, just giving you the confidence to, you know, take on a task, whatever it was. That sounds like the, the direction you headed. And I wasn't into the fluorescent lights. I would fall asleep in, in dank classrooms and, and yep. not get anything out of it, you know. Well, uh, let me tell you something, Steve. You have to, uh, is your first name Steve? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You have to thank Rick Lott, former mayor, and Nate Kilton also because they are collaborative and have helped our district, vice versa, 
really dig into the vocational world uh, in a real way, you know, not in a a symbolic way, but actually building a huge vocational center. So um, I but, can't wait. Yeah, I'm hey, so Steve, glad. That, thanks for your call. We're running out of time. We got we're going to take Joe in Lakeland. Uh, there we go, Joe. You're on the air. We've only got a few seconds. What's up? Hey guys, thank you. This is Joe in Lakeland. Uh, I'm the owner of Aerial Media Consultants here, a drone technology company, and we proposed a uh, curriculum for a vocational school in Oklahoma to train students on drones and their technology. And we'd love to see the reoccurrence of that in Florida. So, you know, we could uh, also help students get into that world of drones. What a what a great what a great idea! Everything from building them to fly a drone, building them to fixing them to flying them. Absolutely, we have a curriculum already. We developed and pitched to the school in Oklahoma, and we would love to do the same here in Oklahoma. uh, I mean, Florida. So. Yeah, let's let's bring it on. We did uh, uh, actually meet with a um, charter school, uh, high school here uh, in Polk County, the principal, and she said exactly that. She said, uh, "Hey, re- she reach said, out, reach out to uh, Lynn Gray's office uh, uh, during the week, and I'm sure that uh, you guys can continue that discussion." She's nodding her head. All right, we're just about out of time. Thanks, that. Joe. Yeah, here we are. Just every single somehow we always manage to make that hour I fly. Told you, we, yeah, we it, just, it just evaporates. We, we could have been hours and hours talking about. And I've got two more pages, Lynn. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had Lynn Gray uh, with Hillsborough County School Board here uh, for a great discussion on education. And Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Please come back um, and tell us what's going on at Just Elementary and what's going on at yeah, Hillsborough no, County Schools. One, once you can break that news, we'd love to have you back to discuss that because that's definitely an issue the community wants to know about and hear about more. So we're missing our uh, our co-host, Mario yeah, it's Nunez. It's not the same uh, without you, Mario. A little shout out to Mario and his family. We hope uh, we hope everything is okay. And, uh, and, and we miss you and your, your, your strong voice and, and all the hard work you do in our community. Um, Jason, we're about wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Death, for taking Henry Kissinger. You guys have a wonderful day. Oh. Live from